Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. Shane needs to be in perfect the premiers of 1992. The 1994 premiers. Premiers. The 2018 AFL Premiership team. The West Coast We'll talk that never-ending wave of injuries and turn our attention to yet another must-win game, this time against St Kilda. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 and joining me this week is Miguel Sanchez. How are you going, Miguel? Uh, yeah, pretty flat. Been um, yeah. a rough few days of uh, results and news for us, but yeah. yeah, pretty flat. I've still got a little burning, little flicker of optimism that is probably stupid, but anyway. Optimism, maybe. Defiance, definitely, because I'm sort of in this mode of, all right, well, now we're definitely being written off, uh, clearly by our own fan base, it seems. But, you know, it it is all starting to look a little bit of a a bridge too far. We need some help in the results. We're losing midfielders left, right and centre. We're losing more players from the defence as well, which we'll circle back to later on in the show. But, yeah, tough week for the Eagles. Never a better time to set it right, though, than right now, and and they can do that on Thursday against the Saints. We'll get into that very shortly. Uh, Miguel, before we crack on with a Western Bulldogs recap, I will just say we've been doing the live calls. They're being very well received, so thank you very much for the people tuning in and tuning to to go with some proper commentary rather than Channel 7, rather than Fox Footy, any of that. We will be doing it again for the St Kilda game. Uh, It's very, very simple. Just follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. We'll post a link. You mute your TV, you click the link, you listen along to us while you watch the game. And uh, yeah, look, it's it's pro Eagles. Call it from an Eagles point of view. We'll get the players' names right. We're talking about the Eagles players all the time. You won't hear any bullshit about, you know, St Kilda players who are having great seasons or anything like that. I don't want to hear it. All Eagles, all the time, all biased. So join us for that one on Thursday. We'll get the players' names right all the time unless Rotham and Brander are both playing, in which case we'll probably get them confused. Over and over again. <laughs> or my classic Sheed and Barass, which I somehow stuffed up in the goal square. But anyway, hey, Miguel, let's crack on and we will talk about, unfortunately, a loss against the Western Bulldogs. West Coast Eagles, 7 goals, 5-47, were defeated by the Bulldogs, 6 goals, 13-49. Now, we called this one live, as, as we've just discussed there. It was really close right until the end. The Dogs left the door ajar for the Eagles to win it and steal it, in truth. They couldn't do it, but, you know, I think, let's be honest, Miguel, the Dogs were the better side. They had plenty more chances. The scoreline really did flatter the Eagles in the end. Midfield didn't show up. The defense were under pressure all day. The forwards barely got any supply. And a must-win game turned into a bit of a slap-in-the-face loss. That one definitely stung. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, really diff- uh, disappointing result, and yeah, as you said, the uh, the school board really flattered us, and yeah, basically every other um, stat uh, on the stat sheet skewed against us pretty badly. Um, I actually did some research on this, which I don't normally do, but uh, <laughs> we had normally that's your department. We had uh, twelve scoring shots to nineteen. That wasn't too hard to research. Inside of fifties, we only had twenty seven for the game, which is our season low. It's less than seven inside fifties in a quarter, which is pretty terrible. We gave up 45, uh, and that differential of 18 is our also our worst of the season. 
lost contestations by 19, which was our third worst result of the season. Uh, lost the clearances as well by four. And I, I couldn't find an actual stat for this, but I think roughly the Bulldogs had about 105% of the play in their forward half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, conservatively, conservatively, yeah. yeah. Um, but having said all that, we, as you said, we did have our chances. Um, without going into that uh, McGovern Bontempelli goal review, which I don't really want to talk about, Kennedy missed a couple of pretty gettable shots in the third quarter, um, got that holding the ball in the fourth. Darling kicked into the man of the mark on three-quarter time. Then he missed pretty gettable shots in the uh, in the fourth. So, yeah, despite you know, everything going against us, we still had opportunities and fluffed them, basically. So where I'm at with that goal review, if we can just start there for a sec. We don't need to spend too long on it, but basically I want to hand wave it away because it was, what did they kick? Six goals, 13. So, all right, maybe they actually kicked five goals, 14. But let's be honest, you can't give a team 19 scoring shots. If they're converting you know, worse than 33%. One in, the, one in three kicks at goal for them was either missing or out on the floor behind, whatever you want. That was them letting us in it. So, okay, frustrating score review, but if that's what we're hanging our hat on, we are miles off the pace. So I don't want to hear it about that. Yeah, we missed some chances, but again, look at the dogs. Equally, Tom Cole, second goal in two weeks, by the way, but he snuck forward and kicked an absolutely clutch shot. So we got some contributions where you couldn't normally expect them, not sustainable stuff. So... We've talked about it a few times on the pod. For me, it's all process rather than result, and the process was disgraceful uh, on on Tuesday. And and yeah, we really or on Sunday was it? When was this game? I don't even <laughs> know anymore. On Sunday, the process was shocking. Miguel, let's flip it very quickly. We'll start positive. We'll start as positive as we can. We'll do a few ticks, and then we'll move on to some of the crosses that we need to improve on. Liam Ryan's pretty good at footy, isn't he? Yeah, he's been great this year, hasn't he? Um, getting further up the ground, um, had a hand in quite a few goals or at least goal opportunities. I think he had he had one great play where he kept the ball in against all the odds and squared it to Kennedy out of a, a surrounded by four Bulldogs, and that was one of the ones that Kennedy missed. But, yeah, um, I think he got the first goal assist as well, getting it over to Waterman. So, yeah, great game from him all around and um, great little, oh, since just about since they've gone back to Queensland, probably a couple of games before that, he's, he's just been in yeah really rich reign of form. Yeah, four goals against uh, Richmond, was it? And then, oh no, three goals against Richmond, four goals against Essendon, just the one this week, but four inside 50s, which was most in the team. And I don't think any of them resulted in anything other than a shot on goal. I don't think any of them were just bombs because he was hitting chests, he was hitting targets, he was putting it into the path of guys to run onto. So Liam Ryan, really good. Uh, a couple other things I liked. Duggan got more time in the midfield, which was great. Uh, this one's a bit bittersweet now because we've had a bit of recent news. But Lewis Jetta in the fourth, he was quiet, but then in the fourth they really made an effort to get him the ball as almost a bit of a sweeper, like that sort of quarterback role people like to call it, where you know we got the chain of handballs out the back, put it in Jetta's hand. He had three or four kicks in the fourth that were really incisive and, and really drove us forward. So he's he's out now, and we will circle back to that. But they're thinking, they're thinking their way through it. They're trying to get the ball into the hands of the good users. And also a bit of a silver lining, a bit of an awkward one, this one. Ainsworth, he was thrown on as a tagger. I don't believe it's a role he's ever done. He's been shunted around a fair bit, flanker and winger and inside mid, and he's moving all around. Well, now apparently he's a tagger. He held Caleb Daniel really, really quiet in the second half after a big first half from the All-Australian. So that was a silver lining from me. Miguel, any other positives that we can pluck out of there before we really go studs up on these guys? Uh, just on Ainsworth as well. The other pleasing thing about his performance was that he, he used the ball quite well. That's you know, been one of the big knocks on him is that you know his disposal is terrible and also his decision-making is terrible. But he went 
I think he, he only had eight touches, but I think seven of them were effective. You know, even without the, uh, the huge raft of injuries, he probably played well enough to hold his spot this week. Yeah, Duggan, you said uh, Tom Barras did a job on Aaron Norton. I uh, got in the coaches' votes, which I think there are only a couple of our guys uh, got votes. Ryan might have been the other one. Yeah, apart from that, I think just everyone else gets a whack. So let's move on to those inside 50s. The Eagles do struggle at it. Historically, under Simpson, it's not something that we've ever done, have a big wave or a raft or a high volume of inside 50s. We've always hung our hat on efficiency, which is fine until the efficiency deserts you or until you reach a point where no matter how efficient you are, you're just not getting it in enough. So they get 39 inside 50s per game. That's bottom four in footy. The other teams sharing the bottom four with them, the Giants, who are in an absolute state at the moment, the Dockers, really nice defense from them this year, and they're obviously trending up, unfortunately, but still not exactly an offensive powerhouse. And the very soon-to-be two-win Crows, by the way, because they might have just strung two in a row together as we're recording this. But, you know, not exactly elite company to keep. The mids were getting smashed around the contest. We, we were all right at the centre clearances, but around the ground they were getting smashed. We couldn't link possession together. We are just not giving our forward line enough supply. And, and to be honest, Miguel, I'm kind of at a loss as to how to fix it, given it has been such a, a prominent part of our game style for so long. It doesn't seem like there's some switch we can just flick here. No, well, I suppose the switch we flick is we bring that Nui back in and he does it all himself yeah. uh, because he's he's not going to have much in the way of experience around him this week with uh, Redden now joining Shuey and Yo on the sidelines and, and possibly more to come. But, yeah, we really we rely on him. I think that was pretty obvious uh, on Sunday or Tuesday or whenever it was um, that we weren't getting that same service from Hickey who you know, just barely beat uh, English in the – uh, in the hitouts, uh, didn't he had I think seven hitouts to advantage to English's nine. So yeah, it really started from there. Let's talk about the mids because it's it's kind of a different conversation to be having. We knew coming in that they were going to be uh, a little bit light on in terms of the troops. We lost Hutchings as well, whether he was playing as a tagging forward or whether he was getting some more time in the midfield. But it is now going to be for the foreseeable future. It's Tim Kelly. Possibly Dom Sheed, although we'll get back to that one. But it's Kelly, it's Gaff, it's hopefully Matt Nui, and now we're going to have to turn to some guys like maybe Ainsworth, maybe Brander, definitely Xavier O'Neill, you'd think. So coming off, I think, our worst performance as a midfield unit now for some time, I, again, speaking about being at a loss, I'm sort of at a loss at how we fix this because they were absolutely smashed by a Dogs midfield that's it's pretty good. It's, it's a solid midfield, but the Dogs are a, a very middle-of-the-road team in general and we made them look absolute superstars around the ground. So where do we go here from the midfield? Yeah, apart from uh, getting Nat Nui to do it all, I don't have any answers really. Uh, I suppose the one saving grace is that uh, the Saints, the midfield probably isn't their strongest line. Um, Jack Steele has been in great form. Um, Sebros is in there, but he's he's uh, not been in terrific form. And then I don't know who else is there. Gresham, their strength as well is their ruck. Uh, so uh, they'll be relying on Ryder and Marshall to give those guys first use, and we'll be relying on Nat Nui to uh, give us first use. So I suppose a little bit even in, in that, but just the inexperience of the guys that we'll have in there and the um, – as well, the fact that you know they won't have probably won't have been training together much. Like you know, no, they're training in groups of eight or nine. I don't know that Brayshaw is uh, if, if he plays, he's going to be one of the eight or nine guys training in the main midfield unit. So you know, how much will he have played with the rest of them uh, over the course of the year and stuff like that? So yeah, going to be really difficult. Right, we're going to move on from the dogs game just shortly. But Miguel, before we do, one last point from me. 
Let's talk about Oscar Allen because he's a guy that we love. He's a prospect that we love. He shows these signs of being a completely dominant forward, maybe our next great key forward. But, you know, he, he certainly bobs up with crucial goals. He can take a mark. He can chop out in the ruck a little bit. We're not down on Oscar Allen long term. This is not a criticism of Oscar Allen, the prospect. But his output over the last few weeks has been kind of disappointing. You know, the, yeah, the last little stint that he's played. We've seen his best, and we saw some really nice footy from him in Perth. He's been really quiet and not giving us particularly, uh, you know, too much over the last couple of weeks. Is it the thing maybe time for a rest for Allen? Is it a change of role? We saw him supposedly set to lead the forward line when Kennedy missed, and he didn't really grab that opportunity. So w- where are we at with Allen? Are we just keep rolling him out there and hope for the best, or, or is he needing a rest? It's a difficult position for him because... You know, back up ruck and third tall forward isn't his ideal position, really. Um, particularly, you know, throwing his uh, young body in the ruck against you know, some of the behemoths around the league and you know, getting crunched week after week is not great for him. Um, but you know, when Kennedy and Darling are fit, they select themselves. So you know, he's not going to push any of them out. And it's probably too late now to sort of try a hail mary throwing him to the back line. And again. You know, Barras and McGovern are fit, and I know there's a question mark over McGovern, but you know, if those guys are fit, then we probably don't need another tool down there either. Um, they want to get games into him. The only real spot to get games into him um, this year, unless there's injuries, is that backup ruck position. So that's what they've been doing. But yeah, long term, you wouldn't expect him to to end up there. And uh, the eventual emergence of Bailey Williams will sort of will put paid to that, I think. So. Um, yeah, don't want to foreshadow my changes, but yeah, Williams for Allen is def- a definite possibility this week. Moving on in the show, we saw a little bit of news today coming out regarding the Eagles fixture. They will play North Melbourne on Thursday night. They will play at Metricon. It's another night game, another one at Metricon. Miguel, I don't think we need to spend too much time unpacking this because once it wasn't going to be at Optus, it pretty much was all the same. But yeah, a seven-day break coming up for the Eagles. They come straight back home. They'll spend a little bit of time in Perth you know, during that pre-finals bye as well. So whether they have a home final or not, we know they will be coming home. Pleasant surprise from that one in that the club asked for the Thursday night game to kick off the round um, because it suited them to you know, get back to Perth as quickly as possible. Uh, and the AFL actually granted that. I really didn't think that was on the cards because I thought they'd give that slot to uh, a much more sort of eyeball-drawing contest than 5th versus 7th. So, I don't know, maybe no one else wanted it. But, yeah, good that the club I would have thought it would be nice to get maybe an eight- or nine-day break after the huge amount of footy they've had lately, but... Uh, if the club wanted to play it on Thursday night, it's nice that the AFL granted that wish. And now on to some more disappointing news, and we've been touching on it all throughout the pot already, but it is injuries. It has been the story of the week. After that loss, it was all about the cavalry coming through and getting some healthy bodies back, you know, trying to lift the spirit of the boys. Miguel, let's go on the exact opposite way because Jack Redden is now out for, they're saying about four weeks. They're saying that he might be able to come back in finals, but... It's a bit dicey, that one. Let's say Jack Redden's out for a while. So Redden's out with the thumb. We've seen McGovern get cleared, fingers crossed, with his thumb injury, but one to watch there. Hutchings did the hamstring during the game. There's rumours of a Dom Sheed hamstring injury. Today it's been confirmed as well. Lewis Jetta, two to three weeks with a calf just after he made his much-anticipated return. You know, he's he's been thrown around the field a little bit these last two weeks, and now he's got to just completely go and sit on the sideline, find some new form again. So... Miguel, we are running out of healthy bodies fast. We've seen the small forwards get decimated. Now it's the mids' turn. We hopefully get Yo back for round 18, and Shuey should be back for the finals. But 
between now and then, it is going to be pretty thin on the ground for those mids. Yeah, and all, all these injuries seem to come in the same areas, don't they? And um, our small stocks have really been decimated uh, this season, um, you know, to the point that we've had to debut guys like Reed and, well, O'Neill's been um, quite a good find, but, you know, we've debuted guys that we probably otherwise wouldn't have seen, wouldn't have expected to see. Jermaine Jones is another one. Um, and, yeah, that'll probably continue this week. I think the odds of a Hamish Brayshaw debut are very, very short. But yeah, running really running out of uh, out of numbers for our small players. I've had a few cracks in the changes thread on you know, naming the the twenty two plus emergencies. And as this injury list has gone longer, it's been harder and harder to actually find uh, players to fill out the the emergency spots. I think my last one had uh, Luke Foley in there, which <laughs> you know, we wouldn't have expected to see him this season. But mm. that's how close he's getting. Yeah, not ideal whatsoever. And it is really starting to inform, like you say, there every change. It's coming at a cost because. We're seeing guys thrown out of position. We're seeing guys get a crack, perhaps when they're not ready. Or you know, there's certainly guys that have been waiting their turn. So it's always nice to see a debutant. But in such must-win games, the Eagles now need to win both of their games and also have Geelong beat Richmond. That'd get us into the top four equally. If Gold Coast would have beat Brisbane, suddenly we're really starting to hound them on their percentage and all of that. So. There's a way back, but there's a couple of interesting names coming up that are going to be doing a lot of the challenging. Petrocelli is an interesting one, and we'll talk about him in just a moment, Miguel, because he is supposedly clear to play. But you're getting into these guys like Petrocelli and like Yo when he comes back, like Shuey when he comes back, where we're already thin, and now you're going to have to rush players back or, or get players back in right away, right as they're ready. Is that a strategy that you're going to endorse given that we just need anybody we can or do we need to start playing it safe given if they were to re-injure themselves suddenly we are completely screwed yeah and there's also i think there's a limit to a number of um players that you can bring in and and play underdone um without it affecting the structure you know you can probably carry one or two of those guys and we probably carried hutchings for the, the two games he played because he um he hadn't played much footy at all before we brought him in uh, before that we probably carried cameron for a little while but yeah, you, you can't have too many of them. And yeah, if we're bringing in, you know, if we go into an elimination final, say, and we're we're playing, you know, Shuey off four weeks out, or three or four weeks out, and Yo off four weeks out, and you know, who else is due to come back by then? Possibly Jeddah off two or three weeks out. Then yeah, it's uh, um, starting to get really dicey. Main event time for the week. The West Coast Eagles face St Kilda Thursday, 10 past 5 p.m. at Metricon Stadium. We've been talking about this being a must win. We've been talking about the last few, in fact, being must wins. Miguel, there's no two ways about it. The Eagles have to win this game. They have to beat North Melbourne. As I said before, a little bit of help from Geelong wouldn't go astray. Maybe a bit of help from the Suns as well. But it looks like we're going to have to take care of our end of the deal as well. And we've been touching on it all throughout the show. The injuries are a story. They are informing our changes. So I'll I'll throw the floor over to you for this one. Who comes in? Who goes out as we take on the Saints? Uh, Yeah, how long have we got for this segment? Um, Because, yeah, as I said, I've had a few cracks at this and uh, most of them have come up with sort of five or six changes. So we've got three guys that are confirmed out in um, Redden, uh, Hutchings and now Jetta uh, replacing them. Hearn comes back in. So say Hearn comes in for Redden. Um, I think that ends up with Duggan uh, going into the midfield just out of necessity. He did play the second half pretty much off a wing, um, but he'll, he'll probably have to go into the guts, I think, this week, uh, which he probably hasn't done since about uh, 2015 or 2016. So, yeah, that'll be a, a big ask for him. 
So Hutchings out, and yeah, as I said, I think Brayshaw has to debut really with the, the number of players we've lost in the midfield. If he's not going to get a game now, then he's never ever going to get a game. Brayshaw, I think, is a pretty good swap for Hutchings. They're pretty similar sort of players. You know, they're not quick, they're not flashy, but um, they'll every time they'll give you a hundred percent. They're strong bodies around the contest. Yeah, Jetta sort of I've sort of replaced. I've thought of him as a forward and replaced him with a forward, even though he he went back. Um, in the second half against the Bulldogs. And I think that spot is either Petricelli or Cameron, whichever of them is um, closer to selection, I guess. I sort of, I think Cameron brings more to that forward line, but uh, the way the club's been talking, it's sounding like Petricelli will come back in. So they're both really starved of footy. I don't think we can play both of them for the reasons I said before. So one of them comes in for Jetta. I prefer Cameron, but the MC will probably prefer um, Petricelli. Uh, that's three changes, I think. Uh, Nat Nelly for Hickey is a fourth. That's dead obvious. Williams for Allen, I've, I'd give strong consideration to as a fifth change because, um, as you said, Allen's been a bit flat. And also, I think uh, Nat Nelly will need the extra help that Williams provides against St Kilda's Ruck, uh, which is a really good partnership. Ruck, he won't be getting any breaks there when he is in. So, he'll, yeah, I, th- I think Williams will be a better matchup for that. But the downside of bringing Williams in along with uh, potentially Brayshaw and potentially Cameron and um, uh, O'Neill's still in there and Ainsworth is still in there is that um, we're really in danger of going too far the other way uh, with the, the amount of youth we've we've got in. Not just youth either, but those are players that don't, they're yet to be known for really getting a high volume of ball as well. So you, you're sort of going in, conceding the disposal count and just saying, yeah, you guys are going to have more of the footy and you're trusting your structure to force the turnover and get it back to us. Because, you know, I'm thinking Ainsworth's, you know, eight eight odd touches. O'Neill's yeah. eleven, twelve touches. Williams five to eight touches somewhere in there. A couple of debutants. Yeah. It, it is starting to get pretty thin in that department. Yeah, unless you're relying on Brayshaw to get twenty five touches on debut or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's five changes, and then um, yeah, we've alluded to the uh, potential injury to Sheed, which would just absolutely kill our midfield. We've basically only got Gaff, Kelly, and Sheed in there now, um, and some fill-ins and some young kids, so you take one more ahead of them, that's probably beyond breaking point. Um, if Sheed misses, I think probably Brander is next in line. Come in, play on a wing, push in uh, O'Neill or Ainsworth or whoever's playing on that wing into the midfield more. But, yeah, that also makes us pretty tall if we've got both Brander and Waterman plus our usual key forwards, albeit they're, they're pretty flick, pretty um, agile. Brand has shown quite a bit in the wet, I think, and, and Waterman's um, shown a fair bit lately as well, so we can probably get away with that, but it's not ideal. Um, yeah, so just the, the lazy five or six changes there. Very nice. Very nicely done. It's funny, though, because... Well, it's not funny. It's absolutely heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because I have pretty close to the exact same changes as you, and I think that's due to the fact that there are no healthy bodies to pick. So, yeah, well, we've got Nat Nui for Hickey, Hearn, Jetta, let's say, because Jetta was playing back towards the end of that game. Uh, Brayshaw for Redden. Petrocelli for Hutchings. I, I agree with you. I like Cameron more, but I think it's going to be Petch. Uh, I initially had Ainsworth out, but that was before the Redden news, and I just don't think we can afford to you know, scramble the, uh, the deck chairs too much here because there's just we, we need a little bit of consistency. 
Equally, yes, if Sheed is to miss, I will play Jared Brander. And I actually hadn't considered it like a, as, a, as a legitimate option for this week. I was happy to back him in, but I'm coming around to the Williams for Allen swap due in part to Allen's form. But also, as you said, look, St Kilda, they've got Ryder. They've got, uh, I've forgotten his name, Rowan Marshall. Marshall. Yep. yep. So, you know, they've got a strong ruck tandem there. Nat Nui will need a little bit of legitimate ruck help rather than just a bit of a chop out. So maybe we'll say, yeah, again, five or six changes. Hey, that's pretty interesting. Another interesting facet of this one, Miguel, the weather. Because last week we were projected at about 90% chance of rain. It didn't materialise. And yet here we are again, night game at Metricon, 90% chance of rain. So, I mean, not to ask you to play weatherman, but do we, do we you know, expect the actual rain to come this time? Do you think it's going to have an impact on the game? Or is this one where we might actually roll onto Thursday night and have it be completely dry like it was against the dogs? Well, we've been um, kissed on the proverbial uh, this year with the weather forecast not, not coming out. We had a few games in Perth where it was forecast rain and um, so the rain cleared for the, the two and a half hours that the game was on or you know, the, the rain cleared earlier that day. So... Um, yeah, we've been really lucky with that so far. Uh, I don't know, maybe this is the week it turns around. I will say, though, if it, if it is a wet game, that um, plays into the chances of a Brayshaw debut even more because he's a bit of a wet weather specialist, or he was at waffle level last year. Can I talk myself into the rain helping us? I know we go in tall, and I know you, if you're looking at guys like Brander and Waterman as, as your, your legitimate wing options and your higher up the ground options, you are very tall around the ground, no doubt, but can I convince us that because of our perhaps lack of polish, you're missing Shuey, who's a good user. You're missing, you know, Yo, who's absolutely dynamic when he gets the ball. Redden, he's, he can he can be polished on his day, but also, you know, he's really good at that in and under stuff. So that one will hurt in the wet. But Jetta, we're going to be missing him. Given we're missing some of our absolute prime users, can I talk myself into the rain levelling the playing field a little bit, like it would if we were first and we were playing against 18th sort of thing? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I don't think it helps the Saints either if it rains. Um, they've got quite a tall lineup as well, so you know it won't help their, their tall forwards. They've, they've had Marshall forward as a, the resting ruck a lot of the time. They've had King up there. They've had Membry up there. Um, they've had uh, Josh Battle there as well, so yeah, it won't help them and... Um, their other real weapon is their leg speed, and the yeah the wet ground won't help that either. So, yeah, definitely a big leveler. So let's turn our attention now to the Saints, Miguel, because you mentioned Membry there, you mentioned King. Those are guys that are absolutely back in the mix for them. Carlisle's up and about as well. He could come in to take on Kennedy or, or Darling, any of our tools, really. They've got some guys coming back almost exactly opposite to us. What's not opposite to us is the game style because they do like to control possession a bit. They are a bit more incisive than the Eagles. They still like to go quickly. It's not a patient build-up. It is still a pretty uh, quick and a direct build-up, but it's all by foot. It's all kick mark. It's longer kick mark, and they're a very high-scoring side as well, third in footy. Fourth in hitouts because, as we've discussed, Ryder and Marshall, quite a nice tandem, and they can both sneak forward and kick a snag as well. So... There's a couple of things that we need to watch out for. There's some dangerous players, particularly in that forward line for the Saints. Where do you think that that's going to go in terms of our backline matchup? How do we, how do we match up with? They've got a few talls. They've also got some really interesting mid-sized players like your Butlers. So are we going to see uh, Shepard thrown in there? Are we going to see a big day from Barras and McGovern? What would you like to see as our backs match up against their forwards? I think normally you'd say Barras goes to King, but he's struggled with the really tall guys with the long reaches uh, this. This season, uh, that you know Charlie Dixon, Taberner, and Lob, uh, yeah, he struggled on the really big guys, so really tall guys. Um, so yeah, hopefully he can um, get his timing back a bit and uh, time his spoils because he's going to have to you know, really time them to outreach uh, King. 
yeah, Gov, assuming he plays, we didn't talk about him as a change because he, he sounded pretty confident. Um, but, yeah, assuming he plays, he probably gets you know, someone like a battle. Who else have we got? Yeah, Shepard would normally be a good matchup for Membry, I think, but we might need him to play on Butler. Although he had a, a bit of a down game, probably his first for the year on the weekend. And so maybe we can risk, maybe we can put him on Membry and um, give someone like Nelson or Cole the, uh, well, we might need Cole up forward the way we're going. <laughs> exactly. Um, we give one of them the, the job on Butler, who's pretty close to all Australian form. Uh, and, yeah, Rotham is the other one, I suppose, and Rotham probably gets the resting ruck. But we're going to need to go in tall in defence um, because of their tall forward line, even in the wet. Luckily for us, our back line has really been holding us up for most of the season. And, yeah, we'll need them to do that again this week, I think, because, as you said, the Saints like to get it in quickly and they're a pretty high-scoring team. So they'll have their work cut out for them. Let's talk about our forwards. We've discussed how good Liam Ryan's been. So let's set and forget him and just say, yep, fingers crossed for another fantastic hub performance from Ryan. Uh, Chi, I thought, was actually one of our surprise packets on the weekend. He, He got in and under. He's done some nice physical work. Nothing that takes your breath away in terms of the stats or the numbers of it all. But I thought he played his role quite nicely and Waterman linked up with a few early goals, albeit he kind of went missing. Where I'd like to see some lift down the line and in this big game is from Kennedy, is from Darling. Darling's still kicking some goals. He didn't actually, in fact, on uh, on Sunday, but Kennedy ticked it over. Obviously, Kennedy missed a few weeks before, but Darling was ticking it over to prior to that point. He's been kicking bags of, you know, two, three, three, two, two, two. So... There's goals there. We know how good they can be on their day. I would love to see them just completely take this game over because these are the guys that, all right, our mids are gutted. We know that. Our small forwards, our crummers, they're gutted. So let's get it to these all-Australian forwards and let's have these guys absolutely carry us against the Saints. Do you think, given the weather forecast and, and given their form recently, given the lack of uh, opportunity they've, they've had as well due to the low inside 50s, do you think that there is still that scope for one of or both of Jack Darling and Josh Kennedy to just rip a game apart? Or are we really needing to see a bit more of a committee approach as we have over the last couple of weeks? I think it really comes down to the supply. We haven't been getting it to them enough for them to do that. And, yeah, we need to lift that. And, yeah, um, good luck with that with our threadbare midfield. But, yeah, we're going to need to uh, to give them more opportunities. But, yeah, they need to um, step up a bit and take them when they, um, when they get them because... Uh, I know Kennedy kicked a couple, and he was in. He was leading the Coleman Medal for a while there a few weeks ago. But yeah, you know, he missed a couple of easy shots. Darling missed a couple of easy shots. Didn't get on the board. Um, yeah, so yeah, we do need them to step up. I think they can. The Saints, uh, Saints backline isn't really full of world beaters. Carlisle's pretty decent. He'll probably go to Kennedy if he plays. Uh, I can't think who else they've got that'll go to Darling. Uh, and then you know, we'll have either Allen or Williams. Uh, and Waterman for them to contend with as well. So, yeah, it'd be nice to see those the two big guys step up, but we do have the weapons around there to uh, to go with the committee approach that we have been going with. Um, but it really comes down to how many opportunities we give them. It's a tough one to analyse, particularly, I suppose, beyond where we've gone with this at the moment, just because we have no idea what our team is going to look like. It's so unlike, it's so dissimilar to the Eagles teams we've seen recently. There's nobody there where you go, okay, we're thin, but Yo can rip this game up. Or, all right, you know, maybe this will happen, that'll happen. Kelly could step up. Nat Nui could certainly step up. We hope Sheed plays. Obviously, Gaff could step up as well. So there's still talent there, but given that we are expecting to struggle or expecting to, you know, at least be battling very, very hard in the midfield, given our, uh, given our players that are available to us, 
Miguel, I'm finding it difficult to really unpack the matchup because it, it, it's sort of unpredictable as to who goes to who and, and how we even look. It's not the Eagles we've seen of late, but it is an Eagles team that needs to do the business and get a win because we need to keep the 2020 season alive long enough to get these guys back. So I'll throw it over to you for the tip. Do you think the Eagles win? Who do you think of this little ragtag group we're going to send out there? Who do you think is going to impress us the most? And if the Eagles win, what's the margin going to be like? Can we keep this season alive? Yeah, it's difficult to unpack. Uh, it's a, a must-win game for the Saints as well, really. Um, they're looking to lock in their first finals berth since, I think, probably the days of uh, Ross Lyon. Um, been a long time anyway, between drinks. Um, both sides coming off a four-day break, so at least that's even. Yeah, look, uh, we, we absolutely need to win uh, if we still hold hopes of finishing in the top four. I might come to that a bit later. Uh, but, yeah, look, I'll pick us with hey. little to... Little go. to zero confidence, <laughs> mainly because I can't bring myself not to pick us. Um, I'll pick us by seven points and uh, best on ground to be uh, Hamish Brasher on debut Look to get the mid-20 disposal. No, no, um, I'll I'll change that tip. Uh, best on ground, I'll say Dom Sheed to not only play but to step up in the absence of uh, most of his uh, star midfield teammates, uh, kick two goals and he'll get the mid-20 possessions as well. Okay. I like it. I like it. I certainly like that he's playing, according to you. So we'll, we'll lock that one in. We'll plaster that everywhere. Exclusive. Look, there's, um, there's no guarantees in, uh, in this game, as we're just about to see with the Crows 30 seconds away from their second win in a row. How do you like that? Get around the Crows. G'day to uh, Tex Walker, if you're listening. I think he might have passed Modra today for most goals ever. So g'day, Tex. You've given us plenty of joy over the years, and I'm happy you've uh, got one for yourself there. Look, for me, Miguel, tipping, yes, I agree. There is no logic to this. There is no reason why this Eagles midfield that we saw get thrashed, you know, you you take some talent out of it and you expect them to lift. I don't see how that works logically. And yet, maybe blind faith, maybe defiance, maybe optimism, whatever you want to call it, the Eagles are going to win this week. They're going to win by 20 points. It's going to stay dry and we're going to execute our game. It's all going to come off the half-back line. And I'm not going to name a single player who's uh, who's going to stand out because I've been injuring them left, right and center. I had Shuey as my best on against Essendon. I had Redden as my best on against the Dogs. So I will not be saying who is going to play. To be fair, you're probably right with that one. He was just about best on. I don't want to hear it, mate. All right? I'm sick of sending guys to the ER. I am not naming an Eagles player, but I'm saying as a team, as a concept, the West Coast Eagles are going to win this game. They're going to keep the season alive. We need to barrack for Geelong because if Geelong beat the Tigers, we're right back alive. A Gold Coast win against Brisbane makes things very interesting as well because suddenly we could be level with them. Our percentages are very, very similar. It could come down to who can win that last game by the largest amount. We could have an absolute proper round 18 shootout. But for now, all the Eagles can do, take care of business, and I think they will. You're talking there about the the need to finish top four as well. Can I just end on a little, um, maybe a note of optimism? And I brought this up in our call on the weekend, at the end of our call. The flip side to finishing top four is uh, if we finish, if we lower our expectations to finishing fifth or sixth, and that, that would allow us to potentially host an elimination final at Optus, government permitting. And I think regardless of the result of this game, if we beat North, provided we beat them, who they've pretty much packed up for the year, then I don't think we can finish lower than sixth. I don't think Collingwood can catch us, um, which would mean we'd then uh, be hosting an elimination final. And then this dream scenario in my head is that we get all these players back after that pre-finals buy. We get one more game in front of the home crowd, um, get a big lift from that and ride that momentum 
sort of like the Bulldogs did in 2016. So, yeah, uh, I, I haven't quite given up on the top four finish yet, but that's pretty much what I'm pinning all my optimism on is that scenario. Here's how it's going to play out. Fourth, we're going to play a qualifying final at Adelaide Oval against Port Adelaide. We're going to beat them because we <laughs> always beat them. We're going to just... After the siren. Yeah, hopefully. That'd be nice. We're going to sit on our butt for a week, rest up, get the troops back, maybe even get Redden back, and then we're going to, quote-unquote, host somebody in a prelim final before going to the Gabba. Book it. You heard it here first. Stay defiant. Stay alive. The Eagles are well and truly in this one. It's going to be our week this week as well. Well, guys, that will do it from us this week. Thank you very much for sticking around throughout the many, many podcasts, throughout the many, many calls as well. Miguel, for yourself, you've been giving us plenty on the commentary and thank you for joining us this week on the show. Yeah, no problem. Oh, and I did mean to say, uh, if Brayshaw, Hamish Brayshaw does debut and the club's social media account doesn't run with its hammer time, then I think the club needs to be folded. Yeah, I agree. You know what? I agree with that. Not even worth getting top four. Just fold completely. Well, guys, thank you very much for listening. As I said, we will be bringing that commentary back on Thursday. Eagles versus Saints. We will be starting the call at 5 p.m. Just follow us on Twitter or on Facebook at WCEBFpod. Click the link, mute your TV. It's that simple. Just mute your telly, click a link, listen along to some proper Eagles commentary. You don't have to put up with any of the biased bullshit. It'll all be biased in our favour for a change and it's a lot of fun as well. So get around us on Thursday for that live call. We will be doing a podcast after as well to recap the Saints game. We're going to preview the North game and we're going to look ahead to where things are in that chase for the top four. But until then, guys, I've been Honey Badger 35 for Miguel Sanchez. We will talk to you next time. Bye now. Bye.